Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, South Valley. How you guys doing today? All right, all right. So today is Super Bowl Sunday. We got any uh, Eagles fans in the house today? All three of you. All right, okay. Uh, any Chiefs fans in the house today? All right, anybody like me going to rewatch last year's game instead of this year's game? Okay, a few of you. All right, well, uh, some in the rest, anybody just bitter their team didn't make it? Anybody in here? Anybody? Okay, okay. I hope you guys are having uh, uh, some awesome plans to hang out with friends, hang out with family. I know I'm going to get together with my small group after this, so I'm really looking forward to it. Welcome to South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemi. It's great to have you guys with us this morning. Will you guys help me thank Pastor John and the team for leading us in worship today? They did an incredible job as always. Uh, and you heard from Marcus, uh, our, our new uh, kids director, Erin Avery. She's with us now. She finally got here yesterday. And so she started this morning and she's got the kids over in the chapel today, which is really exciting. We're doing some, some new things over in the kids area and uh, just going to be upgrading some things over there, equipment over there, just making that space uh, even better. So we're really, really excited about that. Today, though, I'm excited because we are finally wrapping up this series, I Am, where we've been exploring exploring the seven I am statements from the book of John. Following this series next week, we're going to be going through the 10 commandments. So I cannot wait for that. We're going to spend each week on each of the 10 commandments. But just in review, uh, these are the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today, the final one, I am the true vine. Now, these last two statements are unique because they were said the last night of Jesus's life. Jesus was in Jerusalem where he knew the leaders had already conspired to kill him. He knew that within hours he would be arrested, he would be beaten, he would be mocked, he would be crucified. He also knew that one of his closest friends, Peter, would deny him three times, and another one of his friends, Judas, would betray him. And although hopes were dashed and hearts were troubled, Jesus took that time in those final hours to comfort his friends. Rather than dwell on the pain that he was soon to endure, he set out to ease their hearts by sharing some last words. As we said last week, last words are lasting words. The last thing you say to a person is usually the most important thing you say to a person. Well, following the Last Supper, which happened the last night of Jesus's life, shortly before he went to the cross, Jesus and his disciples, they made their way from Jerusalem through the Kidron Valley up to a mount called the Mount of Olives, where he would retire for the night. And as they were traveling, they likely passed through a set of vineyards. And Jesus, being the master storyteller, took the moment to weave in the visuals around them to share a final analogy, a final I am statement. It's the analogy of the vine. This is what Jesus says, John 15, starting in verse one. 
Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. That was one one of our memory verses. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you Abide in my love. That's our passage today. Will you guys pray with me and we'll jump into it. Father God, I want to thank you so much for another Sunday. I want to thank you for a chance right now to open up your word and to be reminded of your love for us and the way that you take care of us and the way you tend to our needs. I want to thank you for connecting us to the vine, Jesus Christ, the source of life, the source of fruit, the source of growth. And if anybody in here today is stagnant, I pray that you would make this a moment where they they step into a a season of growth and fruitfulness. If anybody in here is disconnected, I pray that you would connect them to the vine and connect them to others. And I just ask God that you would be with us as we unpack your word, unpack your scriptures to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So this May, I'm gonna be flying out to Dallas Theological Seminary to walk uh, in graduation. I I shared with you guys that in November, I actually finished school, but I I opted to hold off on graduating because I wanted to be there and actually walk physically. And as I look back, I've realized how blessed I was to attend such an amazing seminary. I went to Reformed Theological Seminary first, where I did an MDiv, and then I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, where I just uh, graduated with my doctorate. And I had the privilege in those schools to, to learn from some of the best pastors in the world. I had the privilege of learning from guys like uh, preaching classes from guys like Steve Lawson and Brian Chappell and Francis Chan. Maybe some of you guys have heard some of those names. I had theology where I got to learn from guys like uh, R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur and Legan Duncan. I had uh, classes of practical ministry experience where I learned from catalytic leaders like Ed Stetzer and Mark Driscoll and Gene Getz. And, and this is a diverse group of pastors in all these different schools that I got to learn from. And although diverse, Every pastor was an advocate of the same form of preaching. It's called expository preaching. Expository preaching is about exposing the meaning of the Bible verse by verse. Here's the definition. Expository preaching is the communication of a biblical concept derived from and transmitted through a historical, grammatical, and literary study of the passage in its context, which the Holy Spirit first applies to the personality and experience of the preacher, and then through the preacher applies to the hearers. So that's what I try to do every single week when I preach. Another word, yeah, thank you, Shivelys. I appreciate that. Um, Another word that we use for expository preaching is exegesis. Exegesis means to pull something out, to to pull the meaning out 
of Scripture. It's the process of discovering the original and intended meaning of a passage. The opposite of exegesis is something called eisegesis. This is bad, okay? Eisegesis is when we force our own ideas into the Bible, when we force our own uh, bents and agendas into the Bible. That's eisegesis. Well, good preaching always involves good exposition, pulling out the original meaning of the text. In expository sermons, the main idea of the message is usually the main idea of the text. I'm sharing that though, because in today's sermon, I'm not gonna necessarily focus on a main point. I'm gonna focus more on a sub point. You see, the main point in our passage today is very, very obvious. What phrase did you guys hear Jesus repeat over and over and over again as I read John 15? What did you hear him say over and over again? Abide, right? Abide in me was the phrase. 10 times in John 15, Jesus says, abide. Abide is the Greek term meno. Meno means to remain in, to stay in, or to persist in. It describes something that's continually fit in a fixed state or something that endures. And in the context of this passage, the word refers to maintaining an unbroken communion with Jesus Christ, the vine. Well, since Jesus is the one true source of spiritual life, we are exhorted to remain in him. Okay, and, and I feel like I've made that very clear throughout this series. There is one way to salvation. His name is Jesus Christ. And I feel like we've said that every single week. That again is the main point today. Remain in Jesus because he's the only source of life. Within true Jewish tradition, the vine was always a picture of Israel. God brought a vine out of Egypt and he planted it in the promised land. The problem though, was that God's vineyard didn't ever produce. So now Jesus is saying he is the true vine. He is the one on whom God's purposes are now resting and his followers are members of God's true people. Jesus is the genuine vine in comparison to false vines, false sources of life. The false vines in Jesus's day was the, the dead religion of the Pharisees. That was the false vine. The local leaders of Jesus's time believed that they would get to God through their family lineage, through their religious piety, through their good works, but it was a fruitless and hypocritical system. Their message to the people was be good, do all the right things, and follow all the other rules we add on top of scripture, be good, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get God. That was their message. Well, that's a broken system. That doesn't work. I don't know when the last time was that you tried to just be good. How'd that work out for you? Not so good, Not so good right? So that was the message of the Pharisees. The message of Jesus was, Get God, okay, first and foremost, get in a relationship, a right relationship with God, and then you will be good. Okay, salvation comes first, sanctification comes second. If you truly have Jesus, you will bear fruit. There is no way around it. Jesus, therefore, is the only vine by which the grace of God can flow into our lives. Can I get an amen? 
This means good deeds are not a vine. Family lineage is not a vine. Religious rituals are not a vine. Jesus Christ is the only pipeline from the throne of heaven to the hearts of mankind. If we're connected to him, then we are connected to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that's why Jesus's last words are very simple. Abide. Abide in Jesus by believing him. Abide in Jesus by obeying him. Abide in Jesus by worshiping him, serving him, giving your whole life to him, sacrificing for him, giving to him, spending regular time with him in the word and prayer and with other believers and, and with the church, just as branches depend entirely on the vine for life and for fruit. So believers depend completely on the divine Lord as the source of their spiritual life and growth. That's the main idea of the passage. And we've been saying this every week, okay? So that's why I'm not gonna, there it is. That's the main idea. We got it now, okay? We've been talking about this week after week. Abide in the vine is the main idea. I wanna focus though today on a background character in the passage. The background character I wanna focus on is the vine dresser. The vine dresser is the farmer who oversees the growth of the plant. He's the gardener. He's the one who prepares the land. He's the one who plants the vine. He's the one who tends to its every need. He watches over the plant 24 hours a day, seven days a week to ensure that the branches are growing and bearing as much fruit as possible. We have some farmers in our church. They understand, I've talked to many of you farmers in our church. We love you guys. And we, we understand just hearing your stories, farming is hard work, right? It is all day, every day. You wake up thinking about the harvest and, and what's going on with your land and, and how you're gonna get the most out of your fruit and you go to bed thinking about it. It's a day in, day out thing. That is the father with us. You are on his mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is thinking about you and how to grow you and how to mature you and how to get the most out of you and how to develop you and how to make you as fruitful as humanly possible. You are on his mind all day, every day. The moment you go to bed, the moment you wake up, as you're sleeping, God is constantly thinking about you and how to grow you. He is your farmer. Jesus Christ is the trunk and you are the branch and you need the vine dresser and you need the vine because without those two things, you will simply shrivel up and die. Jesus says, John 15, one, I am the true vine compared to fake vines. And my father is the vine dresser. That's the farmer or the gardener and you are the branches. So who's the branches? That's us. The vine dresser has three jobs. He removes the dead branches, he lifts up the sagging branches, and he cuts back the stagnant branches, thus enabling them to bear more fruit. So let's take a look at each branch. Number one is the dead branch. Jesus says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. 
And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The dead branches in this passage are the fake branches, the fruitless branches. And here's the thing. Sometimes the dead branches blend in so well that they are very hard to spot. As many of you guys know, uh, my family really loves Disneyland. Do we have any Disneyland fans in here this morning? All right, a few of you. So we love Disneyland. One thing my kids recently began doing was collecting pins. They like Disney pins and pin trading. Uh, That's a weird thing that happens at Disneyland. I'm new to this, all right? You show up and you have like all these pins hanging on your little lanyard or whatever, and you could just go go trade with people. And you could trade at different places. And my kids have figured out where to do that and they love it. And uh, they were introduced to it by their cousin Camden ever since then. And they've been hooked. Since then, though, uh, since we're new to, to this, you know, pin trading thing, we didn't know that there are fake pins out there. Uh, there are people who bring in fake pins that are authentic and you'll get duped. And we didn't realize that until we tried to trade a fake pin to somebody and they're like, hey, we don't want your trash. Like, what? We're like, wait, what's wrong with it? It looks, no, it's fake. And that was the first time we realized that there were fake, we had been duped. They looked real, but they were actually fake. Well, moments before the final I am, Jesus sat around a table with the 12 disciples for the last supper. 11 of the 12 were real. One was what? It was fake. 11 of the 12 were real. One was fake. All of them looked the same on the outside, but one was off. And and here's the big idea. Just as there were true and false disciples around Jesus, so too there are true and false disciples around the church. There are living branches and dead branches in every church across America. Within every church, there are those who profess Christ, and then there are those who actually possess Christ. There is a difference. And oftentimes, the dead branches are hard to spot because they're around the living branches. You don't necessarily see them. You have to have eyes to be able to pay attention to it, but there are dead branches growing or existing alongside the living branches. This is what St. Augustine calls the visible and the invisible church. The visible church is the church as we see it, all right? When we gather for church, we see a crowd of people and one assumption we might have is like all these people, they must really love the Lord. Like they are here on Super Bowl Sunday. They must really love the Lord. Maybe. There's the visible church and there's the invisible church. There's the church as we see it. And then there's the church as God the Father sees it. And when God the Father looks out at the church, he knows who is really in and who is out. He knows who is actually surrendered and who is just faking it. He knows who is actually obedient and repentant and abiding in the vine and growing and who is actually just trying to blend in. Only God the Father really knows, but the evidence is typically, 
in the fruit? Are you bearing fruit in keeping with repentance? Or are you exactly the same as you've always been? Because if you are truly connected to the vine, you cannot help but grow. Let me just tell you this. If you have received Jesus, what's so cool about this illustration? If you've received Jesus, you've been connected to the vine. Okay, he's the trunk of the plant. When you're connected to a healthy plant, when a branch is connected, it will bear fruit. Without it, it doesn't, doesn't even have to try. It will naturally happen. And so if you're not bearing fruit, then maybe, just maybe, you are not in fact connected to the vine. God knows who's really in, who's really out. And throughout this series, I've been trying week after week to point us to Jesus Christ. And, and, and the assumption is that there might be people in this room week after week who don't know Jesus. And I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to point it out that it, it could be a reality. And in fact, we've seen a lot of people through this series come to Christ. Let's uh, give it up to the Lord for that. That's been awesome to see. We've seen lots of people come to Jesus through this series. But Every time when we stand up here, when we gather, we have to know there are living branches and dead branches in the room because there were even in Jesus's presence, living branches and dead branches around Jesus's own table. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I bearing fruit? That's a question only you could answer for yourself. Are, are you growing? Are you different this year than you were last year? Have you grown in obedience? Have you grown in, 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 in love? Have you, has your character grown? Has, has, has your, your passion for the Lord grown? Or are you stagnant or are you sliding back? Are you bearing fruit? Judas looked like a disciple because he hung out with the same crowd as the disciples, but deep down he never surrendered to Jesus. And so with this in mind, he was just a fruitless branch. Jesus warns about this in Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Next slide. Maybe not. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The big idea, when the vine dresser sees the dead branch, he lops it off and he throws it in the fire. That's the first branch, the dead branch. The second branch, this one's an encouraging one, not uh, discouraging. This one's the sagging branch, all right? That's the sagging branch. Every branch in me, Jesus says, that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. The sagging branch is the damaged branch. This is the sad and lonely branch. This is the, the branch that desperately wants to bear fruit, but is struggling just to get by. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I'm a sagging branch. I don't like calling anything sagging in my life, but if I'm being honest, I think I'm sagging in this area, okay? I, I am a, I'm a bit of a sagging branch right now. Something has hurt me. I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling a little droopy. I'm feeling like I'm living in the shadows. That's the sagging branch. And, and actually, when I think about just what we've gone through in the world these past few years, I, would, I look out, I see a lot of sagging branches out there. Like life has been hard. Things have been discouraging. It hasn't been easy. Maybe that's you today. You feel like, man, challenges just keep coming. I feel like I've never 
never really recovered from the last hit and now I'm hit with something else and I'm just getting by and just living in the shadows and, I, and I'm not a dead branch, but I'm kind of a sagging branch if I'm being honest. I'm not really producing fruit. I don't have much energy. I don't have much to give. I, I wanna bear fruit, but I'm just struggling to get by. Like, I don't, I mean, I forgot today was the Super Bowl. I don't even know what day of the week it is. I'm surprised I made it to church today. Like, I'm just barely getting by. There are a lot of people like that in the room today. Maybe that's you. You are this morning the sagging branch, and it's not your fault. It's just life has not been easy, and you have felt trampled on for the past couple of years. Here's what's so cool, though, about the vine dresser. The vine dresser, he watches over the vine 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when he walks through his vineyard and he sees a sagging branch, do you know what he does? He reaches down, he picks it up off of the ground, and he lifts it up into the sunlight so that it could begin to grow again and to receive the nutrients and the love and the grace of the vine. That's what the father does for weary, broken, tired souls. He lifts them up. The Greek word he uses here is the word arrow. Arrow means to lift up, to raise to a higher place or a higher position. And so what this means for us is that when life brings us down, God lifts us up. That's what's so encouraging about coming to church on Sundays. Because we are coming here to, one, we want to be convicted. We want to be fruitful. We want to be obedient. We also, we also need to be lifted up. We also need to be encouraged. We need to be inspired because many of us have felt trampled on throughout the week. And, and sometimes it's not even bad things. Sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, I got four kids at home and I don't know how I'm getting by with four. Like, I just don't even know how I'm doing. I got two kids. I don't know how I do it some weeks. Some of you got four kids, five kids. Some of you got blended families with lots of kids. You got a lot going on on your plate. You got, you know, family members living in your home and you're just feeling like a trampled down branch. And you come in here on a Sunday and God reaches down into your seat and into your soul and he props you back up so you get a little bit of sunlight and a little bit of grace and a little bit of energy and a little bit of, you know, sap from the vine so that you could face another week of life because he's a vine dresser who loves his branches, even the droopy, you know, sagging branches. God loves you. He loves you. David says it this way in Psalm 3. You, Lord, you're a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. If you are feeling like a sagging branch today, my encouragement to you is call out upon the name of the Lord. Tell him you're tired, communicate with him, abide in the vine, he will come over, he will lift you up that you might bear much fruit. He delights in seeing his branches grow. The third branch though, is the stagnant branch. Now, this isn't always a bad thing because the stagnant branch means it was, it was growing at one time and then it stopped growing. Okay, isn't that so like true of the Christian life? Like we go through these seasons of, oh my gosh, I went through Rooted and I was growing so much and then Rooted's over and now I'm kind of just getting by. Or I went to summer camp and it was so amazing. I grew so much and had so much fruit. And now I'm just kind of getting by. Or when I first came to the Lord, I was growing so fast and now I'm just kind of 
coasting. And so we go through those seasons of growth and then we're stagnant and growth and then we're stagnant. That's just typical in the Christian life. But what does he do with the stagnant branch? This is what he says. Every branch that does bear fruit, so that's good, you're bearing fruit, but look what he does to his good branches. Okay, this, this is one hard one for us to hear. You're doing good. You're awesome. I'm so happy with you. You are growing, you are growing, you are growing. Here, let me come over there and chop you down. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may what? Bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Okay, right? You get God first and you grow next. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the third branch is the branch in need of pruning. I'm not a farmer and I'm not a gardener either, okay? I try to plant things and sometimes it works and most of the time it doesn't. But I remember one year I had, so I had dozens of rose bushes outside of my house, uh, my old house. And I remember one year we decided to, to trim them back. So we took out the shears and we trimmed these rose bushes back to, I mean, they were just nubs. And I looked at them after we were done. I'm like, there's no way these things are gonna grow again. Like these, these rose bushes are toast. They are done. To my surprise though, these rose bushes came back stronger and more vibrant than ever before. It was like this super bloom of roses. I was looking at them, thought they were done, thought they were over with. They came back stronger than I could have ever imagined. Though pruning seems harsh, cutting back assures that the branch produces greater fruit, more fruit, higher quality fruit. Here's what this means for you. The vine dresser loves you so much that he is willing to remove anything in your life that would sap you from abiding in Jesus Christ. Anything that would sap your spiritual energy and devotion to the Lord. And so he prunes you. Anything that would distract you, anything that would hinder you from growing, he takes out his shears in an act of love. He looks at you. He wants you to be the healthiest, most vibrant, most fruitful branch in town. And to get you there, occasionally he has to take out the shears and he has to lop off the overgrown, dying parts of your life. And when he does it, it stings. But you always bounce back stronger. You always come back better. You always produce greater fruit in the end. There are three ways that the father prunes us. The first way he prunes us is through the shears of his divine word. You might notice when I preach here at South Valley, I talked about expository preaching. I try to preach verse by verse through the Bible. I try to focus just primarily on the text and then figure out what the text means to us because I believe that God's word are his divine shears, okay? That's how God convicts us and grows us and strengthens us. And he comes in and he, and he trims us up and he shapes us and molds us into who we're supposed to be. He does it primarily through his word. His word is the blade of his shears, 
Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than in a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Time in the word exposes areas that are fruitless and overgrown. It convicts us and grows us. And so let me ask you this. Are you allowing personally in your life the word to prune you? Even the hard words, even the controversial words, even the words that you don't want to hear in the moment, are you allowing God's word to come into you, shape you, mold you, and prune you? That's one way that he, that he prunes. The second way is through the shears of divine discipline. This one's kind of a hard one at times for us to accept. This pruning involves cutting away anything that limits our righteousness, that limits our growth, that pulls us away from the Lord. And uh, Hebrews 12 says it this way. It's for, the di it's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and as daughters. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children, not sons. Okay, God doesn't discipline the world. God disciplines his children. And discipline is not punishment, okay? Punishment is about condemnation. Punishment comes from a place of anger and wrath. Jesus died for our condemnation. Jesus has already taken on our punishment on the cross. So discipline is not punishment. Discipline comes from a place of love. Discipline is about correction. Discipline is what we do to our children. Punishment is what happens to a criminal. Discipline is for the ones that we love. Besides this... We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit, we're talking fruit again here, of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Sometimes God shears our divine discipline. He sees something in your life that has captivated you in the wrong way. And so he cuts it out. The question though is this, discipline is supposed to create humility in us. It's supposed to create surrender in us. It's supposed to develop in us a, a, a posture of, you know what, God, I am done doing things my way. You are right. You are king. You are Lord. I'm going to surrender and trust and follow you. But sometimes instead of learning from those lessons, instead of embracing those lessons, we push back against those lessons. We try to squirm out of it. We don't embrace it. We try to run from it. I'm encouraging you today. If you are in a season of discipline, if you are being disciplined, it is because God loves you. And some of you need to hear that. I know I need to hear that because I have had my fair share of spankings from the Lord, okay? Anybody in here have their share of spankings? You get it because God loves you. Not because he's punishing you, but because he loves you. And number three, the third way that he prunes is through the shears of divine providence. What this means is that sometimes God ordains hard times in order to grow us. Sometimes God allows things 
that are hard to come into our lives because other things have distracted us from our focus on Jesus. So the the vine dresser removes those things. Sometimes it might be removing a job. Sometimes it might be removing a possession. Sometimes it might even be removing health. And though painful, God has a master plan and purpose for pruning us back. The father is watching the vineyard day and night and he has his shears and anytime he lops off of a piece of the growing branches, it is for the good of the growing branches that they might produce greater fruit in the future. And so what I want you to know today is that if you are a Christian, God will never waste your pain. Can I get an amen? He will never waste your pain. He he doesn't take lightly your pain. He doesn't take lightly the trials in your life. He doesn't take it lightly when things are feeling like they're being cut back. Every time he cuts you back, it produces a humility. No one is, no one is immune to the pruning of God. Okay, no one, no one just gets a, a pass on life to where life is gonna be perfect and easy every single day. God loves you so much that he's actually gonna step into your world and he's gonna do whatever it takes to grow you. Are you embracing his growth? Are you embracing? Maybe you're in a hard season. If you are in a hard season, stop trying to squirm out of it and just start embracing it and learning whatever lessons God wants you to learn right here, right now. Don't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid of hard times. You should be inspired to trust the Lord in hard times because he is, he is going to do something for your good and for his glory. So what's the ultimate purpose of the Father's shears? Jesus concludes with this. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is a proving ground. Hard times are a proving ground. Hard times test who's really in, who's really out. Hard times reveal who's actually humble and dependent upon God and who's actually arrogant and dependent upon their own ways. Hard times show the real you. When you lose something that's, that you didn't wanna lose, maybe it's some kind of possession or some kind of standing or some kind of status and, and you feel like you're, you're losing some of your identity, it's revealing. Did you ever really trust the Lord? Are you a growing branch or are you a dead branch? Just as I said earlier, in every gathering of the church, there is the visible church, the invisible church, the growing branches, and among them are the dead branches. And one day all of them will be gathered and all of them will be assessed and the ones that bear fruit will stand before the father at that final day and he will say to them well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master and others who thought they were in because maybe they just you know like the pharisees they were checking the boxes but they never really abided in christ and he'll say to them on that day depart from me i never knew you you workers of lawlessness these are his last words. That's how important this teaching is to Jesus. His last words, hours before the cross, 
John 15 is what he wanted to teach his disciples. That is revealing to us the reason he wants to leave us with those final words is because he doesn't want us to have a false salvation. He wants us to have the very real thing, the true thing, because he is the true vine and there are false vines, there are fake ways, there are ways out there that will just produce dead, lifeless, hypocritical religion. And then there is Jesus, the giver of life and grace and every good thing from heaven. And Jesus invites you South Valley today to abide in him. Can I get an amen? And so the conclusion is bear fruit to the glory of God. The more fruit you bear, the more glory the farmer receives as he walks along his vineyard and he sees them and he knows like, oh my gosh, last season I I trimmed this area and I know it hurt them so much and they were so concerned, but look, look at them now. Look at all the fruit, look at all the life and look at all the new branches that are growing because of them. Look at all the new branches that are growing because I made space for them. Look at that. They thought that I was cutting them back and hurting them and forgetting about them, but I was really loving them and look at them grow. And as the father walks to the vineyard, he is pleased to see the branches growing off of the vine and he sees the dead ones and he plucks them off and he sees the healthy ones and he trims them back and year after year, they get stronger and healthier and better and better and they bear fruit to the glory of God and that is the job of a Christian to bear fruit to the glory of God that is the Christian life and those are Jesus's final words well that concludes our I am series my hope for you is that through this series you have seen that Jesus is the bread of life that he's the way the truth and life that he's the resurrection and the life that he is the good shepherd that he's the door of the sheep and that he is the true vine. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for just another chance to reflect on what your son Jesus has done. We want to be a church that abides. We want to be a people that grows. I know that sometimes that means hard times come. Sometimes that means discipline comes, pruning comes, but worse than discipline, worse than pruning is being dead. If anyone in here is dead today, bring them to life. If anyone in here is stagnant today, cut them back. If anyone in here is off on the wrong track today, discipline them. Make us fruitful in every area of our lives. Make us humble, obedient, and dependent upon Jesus, the one true vine. We pray this in his name and all God's people said, amen.